I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweetest spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am exhausted in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, similarly exhausted, it's your girl, Kayla McKinnon. Oh, I, there was a pause. Was I... It's me. Was I supposed to say anything? Traditionally, no? you do. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Uh, I mean, Nate, there was just a pause, and I didn't know if because my microphone is slightly better than before, I should be like, it's me, uh, Caitlin. It's a me. <laughs> Caitlin. There we go. I did it. Yay. Wow. <laughs> Coming in hot. Friends, <laughs> this is episode 256 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 255 episodes, many of which have better intros than this one. You can go wherever you get your audio content, be that Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. Give us a rate, review, follow, subscribe, what have you, and you will never miss another episode of this program again, because henceforth, episodes will be delivered directly to your device on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Dr. Chauncey Fasilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. He heartily recommends... Any vaccine you can possibly find. I mean, not ones found on the street, you know, dispatched by licensed professionals. But wherever and however you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Because in Ontario, it's the only way you can go to, like, many, many places. What's up, papers, please? It's that time, y'all. Vaccine passports are here. I got, I put, I put things on my phone. I got a printout that I put in my wallet. Are there things for the phone yet? I have my receipt from back when I got No, no, I mean, like, I just have a, I just have it on easily, like, it's downloaded onto my phone, like, just in case I don't have Wi-Fi or something, and I can pull it up. Yes, I have PDFs on my phone. And then I also have a paper copy in my, in my, in my wallet, because I'm old school like that, and what if I have to go to bingo? Listen, Mr. T9 printed out a full uh, eight and a half by 11 (laughs) printout on standard bond white that he keeps in his pocket. Because he didn't want to lose oh, his actual that's, his actual receipt. That's, that's good. It's amazing. It's in like eighteen point font. <laughs> he's literally the old, he's literally the oldest thirty five year old I know. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> sorry, uh, not including present company. I didn't mean to insult you. Thank you, thank you. I was going to say I just bought another cardigan. I am on fire. <laughs> sorry, your your crown is safe, Queen. No one's coming for. No one's coming for us. thirty-five-year-old. You got, you got <laughs> the things on, that delight me. You got that on lock. Glasses chain, multiple cardigans. You, you got, you got it straight. So I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. Oh, that was delightful, friends. If you want more of this type of hilarity, brought to your social meds, you can hit us up on Twitter at GeekDownPod, where <laughs> you can regularly. Uh, get takes. Get up off Twitter. Usually about uh, idol culture, <laughs> whatever the thought. Uh, arises to me. If you would like to support the show financially, you want to throw a few dollars in the old tip jar, head on over to ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. Kate just had a birthday. Maybe you want to buy her another cardigan or a mug. The only thing she has in higher surplus than cardigans. 
Yeah. Mugs and cardigans. <laughs> KO-FI.com slash geekdownpod is where you can support the show financially. We would appreciate it, even if we don't encourage it, because uh, you should save your money. Although, I don't know. If you're, double, if you're double vaxxed, if you're heading out there into these streets, you're going out to dinner, you're going out to the club. <laughs> can you get into the club with a vaccine receipt? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I, I've very rarely been to clubs unless Caitlin. it's a bridge club. <laughs> <Caitlin>. <laughs> I'm just going to keep them coming. <laughs> I got hard candies the other day, and I'm like, <laughs> "Hey, handsome, pull up a donut and sit down." Friends, Is this older, classy? Y'all need to understand. It is. This is peak Jordan Kate right now. It is here. I just realized, like, it's September 23rd, and it's, I don't even know what date it is. It's September 20 like fourth as we're recording fourth, this. 24th, yes. <laughs> Um, that's the other thing. Um, I work so much now. Imagine the total loss of sense of time that I had during pandemic lockdowns, but replace sitting around watching YouTube videos with work. It's way worse, y'all. It's way worse. But I realized that, you know, I was still going under the like, no, it's just like late summer. It's late summer. Uh Uh-uh. It is pure official Fall now, and that is Caitlin's yeah. birthday. That's my birthday next month. That is leaves on the ground. Someone at work bought me a pumpkin cream cold brew. Caitlin, I am a basic bitch, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it's fun being a basic bitch. Hell yeah, I'm a basic bitch. If you don't like my selfies, you can suck my dick. You get pumpkin spiced things, which are delicious, and you get to like own. Vanilla scented candles and fairy lights. It's a good time. I'm telling you, peak geek down. You can just expect we are lit. We are thriving right now. I left the house this morning for work. Yeah. And I realized it's almost beanie weather. That's right. It was almost beanie weather to, this I morning. I had to. I had to put a coat on. I had like this a week. I had like a windbreaker. So I had a windbreaker on. I was like, I might have needed yeah. something heavier. I might have needed a little sharper lining, you know? A little something can keep it from being a little too I don't want to catch a chill out there. Everybody thinks I've got COVID. I mean Although I do Why get... do you think I bought another cardigan? It wasn't <laughs> just for fun. Fun and functional. Yep. That's that how is I roll. The point of the cardigan. So yeah, we are just we we are thriving right now and we are just you can look forward to just the best content you have ever heard from this program for this month only. December. Oh, oh yes. Done. <laughs> it's a wrap. I don't know. We have a pretty good. We have a pretty good time in in in, in December. We're pretty much from now from now till from now till the end of the year, we we're pretty much in full gear. Because yeah. it's it's, it's cin- cinematic September, spoopy, crapathon, and then like festive holiday stuff. So I mean, we're we're. Yeah. This is time to come back. Friends, if you got friends who have fallen off the geek down, tell them come on back. Let's come on back, friends. Come on back. Come on back. Um, yeah, so I mean, I have no news or social updates because, like I said, I just work <laughs> all the time because it's here. It's happening. I know I said we're talking. We're in peak fall right now. I don't really get to fully live in fall because I'm already thinking two months down the line to when it really comes Holiday 2021. So that'll be fun. I won't regale you with the travails of, you know, retail logistics. But suffice to say, 
work is draining. So uh, often we hit you up and we say, there is no news. I was doing my due diligence this afternoon. I said, well, I at least have to check. Let me just at least check. There's not going to be anything, but let me check. And uh, I go to the old uh, Hollywood reporter, you know, because I'm, I'm a serious journalist. Let me see what's really out there. Uh, and I come across a very interesting story in the realm of the things we generally talk about. And I was like, well, Kate, sometimes we hit at the right moment. Today, as we're recording, September 24th, uh, a bunch of lawsuits have been filed on behalf of Disney, basically, to try and hold on to the uh, full ownership of many of the Marvel characters. Because, um, not that these characters were in danger of going, like, um, public domain. They're not oh, about... Public, sorry, yes. I was like, isn't that fair use? Yes, public the, domain. That is correct. Yes, under public domain, it's all fair use. But, yeah, they're not in danger of going that. But there was a statutory period of, you know, sort of exclusivity of ownership. Um, because these works were made under work for hire. And, basically, the heirs of... Steve Ditko, Gene Colan, Don Heck, these a lot of these golden age comic creators are now filing lawsuits claiming that you know this period is expiring and it's time for Disney to pony up. Uh, Seriously. Because, because the right should revert. Uh, morally, yes. <laughs> but legally, it's kind of gray. Uh, basically, according to this Hollywood Reporter article, these lawsuits are basically the next iteration of something that's kind of gone back to including the lawyers involved goes back to like DC and Superman, the lawyer, uh, claim the lawyer, Mark Toberoff is representing the, uh, comic creator heirs. He famously represented, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in an attempt to, um, it's called termination, um, termination notices meaning that's a termination of their like exclusive ownership or their complete ownership of the characters. Um, in the case of the, uh, the Siegel Schuster VDC case, that was unsuccessful. And oddly enough, the lawyer who represented DC in that case is now representing Disney Marvel in this case. And yeah, is that great? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, I'm liberally quoting from this article now cause it's, it's not super dense, but I don't want to get anything wrong. Um, the cases will focus on the creation of famous comic book characters and who should be deemed the statutory author, meaning who's the one who, like, gets to claim authorial uh, credit. This tends to be harder with Marvel because um, there's two ways to write a comic, basically. One is, like, a full script where the writer writes everything down to the panel layout, the shots. You're basically, like, a director, a cinematographer, all that. You lay it out. You let the artist know how you want the shots framed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's really hard and respect anyone who does that. I don't really have the brain yeah. for it. I've tried it a couple times. It's real hard. Um, famously, there is the quote Marvel method, which is where an artist just kind of got beats. Make sure these things happen on this page. How you get there. Meh, doesn't matter. Uh, up to you. Yeah. Um, the Marvel method has been subject to prior litigation, litigation, such as a dispute a decade ago over Ghost Rider. So, I mean, again, these are continuations of, this has been a problem for a while. 
one of the complaints filed today asserts, quote, Marvel had the right to exercise creative control over uh, this one creator, Lieber's contributions, creative control over Lieber's contributions, and paid Lieber a per-page rate for his work. It's basically the argument that we done already paid you for this, and this was work for hire, and you knew that going in, so you get nothing now. Um, right. This also famously happened in the case of Jack Kirby, who was, you know, the the McCartney to Stan Lee's John Lennon or vice versa. However you frame it. I don't know. I don't fucks with the Beatles like that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, we can, we can do a hottest take on that one day, but not today. Um, basically the gist being that because of the Marvel method, Jack Kirby was doing a lot of the li- heavy lifting on these stories. You know, when Stan Lee was going like, eh, call him the mole man, make him look like this. Or not even make him look like this. Just call him the Mole Man. And then Jack Kirby designs the entire look of the Mole Man. And then Stan Lee goes, uh, make him fight the Mole Man. The entire <laughs> fight and everything is done by Jack Kirby. Um, apparently, in the case of the Kirby uh, lawsuit, it looks like it was defeated and then appealed. And it was making its way up the court system until ultimately um, Marvel or whoever owned Marvel at the time settled i.e. drove the dump truck up and was like make this go away um as you do if you are worth uh uh ridiculous amounts of money yes um i would not be surprised if a similar result happens here um According to the Hollywood Reporter, quote, now come, according to the Hollywood Reporter, quote, now comes new litigation, which figures to pick up where earlier ones left off. Marvel suit calls the latest controversy, quote, virtually identical circumstances to Kirby's. If the plaintiffs win, Disney expects to hold on to at least a share of character rights as co-owners. The studio would have to share profits with the others. Additionally, the termination provisions of copyright law only apply in the U.S., allowing Disney to continue to control and profit from foreign exploitation. That's... The article's words, not mine. Um, these things are always interesting. I'm generally take a skewed view of copyright. This has been well established on this show because I love sampling. I love remixing. I love, mm-hmm. I want De La Soul's catalog on streaming. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> copyright is a big reason why that doesn't happen. Um, but at the same time, you're Disney. You bought these characters. You didn't make them. I mean, you... You sold them to a global audience, and there's something to be said for that. But, I mean, the bones of the characters were already well-established. And, like, you know, you just mined content that was already there made by other people. As established before, when we talk about people like Ed Brubaker, who, you know, really made the Winter Soldier into a thing, um, you have so much money. (laughs) And it does not take much. It takes... The weekend gross of Shang-Chi's three o'clock screening in one theater in downtown Manhattan to change one of these creators' lives and the lives of their yeah. children. That's that's the money we're talking about here. Fucking cut him a check, man. <laughs> like, basically my take yep. on the whole thing. Um. So that'll be interesting to watch. Disney having a having a time of it lately. <laughs> poor poor Disney, yeah. but <laughs> So 
Because I am a giant nerd, mm. one of the things I you like to do every say. so often <laughs> is one of my one of my orbs of of interest <laughs> is deep diving uh deep diving like entertainment companies. Oh yeah, just throwing the card again, bundle up. Get my glasses. <laughs> get a get a steaming mug. <laughs> Start deep dive in IPO reports. <laughs> not, I'm not talking exactly finances, but just like it's specifically Disney because um, so much more is known about through partly through, you know, their um, behind the scenes and everything. People know more about how their company is arranged and they're just such a massive entertainment company. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing like Disney. Not really. They own more um, than you are, I guarantee you, average listener, Disney owns more than you are aware of. Oh, way, way more way than more. you're aware of. Um, and, and there's a couple of other places I've done it, like BBC. Like, I've, I was really interested at one point in how the BBC was organized. And that came from, like, growing up in Canada with what we have, which is a lot of American stuff (laughs) and some Canadian stuff and how finding out when I was like 11 or 12, that like all the shows and all the stations are owned by BBC. Like you got four BBC channels and that's it. Um, And that to me was just wild. So from like, from there, just being interested in how people own things, how things are, are done in the entertainment industry. Uh, same with, um, when I was getting into publishing at one point, folks, I thought I was going to go into publishing, um, and finding out, you know, you know, this company has so many imprints and, um, and same with comic books, right? DC had image and stuff. So just finding out all about that stuff. Um, and there was a chain, big change of the guard, the guy who was running things, they he kind of sort of announced to his I can't get remember the new guy's name. Hold on one sec. Just pause it and I am going to look this up. Radio magic. So basically everybody knows who Bob Iger is. He <laughs> Does everyone or do we just love to talk about him? <laughs> he, he's Every, the everyone right now, knows he, about Bob Iger. <laughs> He was the CEO. He's now the executive chairman of Disney. And he like he was literally named like business person of the year in like 2020 or for 2019 or something. Um and he kind of well, he was said on, he oh, was on the other side of the aisle when the Star Wars buy happened, right? And like the Star Wars yes. buy, the Marvel buy, like the current vision of Disney as you know it. Listener, Disney Plus. That was it was launched Disney, under him. Disney like, Plus was him too. Yep. So I mean, yeah, he, like, was, he was the dude over there. Yes, and yes, he thought he'd probably be. You know, he he people knew he was going to retire. He was really leaving on a high note. COVID happened, but he was still sort of had planned this retirement and whatnot, um, and had said that this person named Bob Chapik. I thought was it was going to take uh, over. I thought that was the name. Yeah. Yes, he's, sorry, maybe it is Chapek, apologies. Um, He is, Bob Chapek is now the chief executive officer of Disney. And, and even like, oh, 
early 2000s, late, like mid 2000s, I read an article about being like how Bob Chapek, like doesn't, it, it, he looks like he could be a good, initially he looks like on the surface, he could be a good um, replacement, but really if you dig down, like he doesn't have the same, you know, way that Bob Iger could envision the company and some of the things that he was touted as being responsible, maybe wasn't really there. And like, I, I kind of like all of that stuff for me. That's what's that show that everybody watches where everyone's terrible succession. Oh wait, white people on TV. No, sorry. Um, succession. What kind of business person they are can really change the feel of a company. Um, and I think we're getting that with this and and i mean even okay so a little while ago a couple we talked about it on the show i know we did i remember we talked about disney getting the chance to extend their ownership of the i think it was mickey mouse yeah that was when mickey was in danger of going public domain right because while disney had died a certain enough years had passed since while disney yeah. had died that and and i don't know who they paid off I don't know that for certain. It's just allegedly, 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 allegedly. Um, but they were like, no, 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 you get to keep Mickey. And which really is astonishing, but it got after a little while, you didn't hear about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm the first to admit I am, I, I am, I love parts of Disney. I'm not like a Disney fanatic that like goes every month or even I've only been once to Disney <laughs> world who is like totally involved and they can do no wrong. No, I can see that they're, you know, a soul sucking corporation, but I do feel like a lot of people who work at Disney really do care, you know, maybe not the upper management um, or their shareholders, but I feel like there really is, a community of artists at Disney who care. And I think that comes through their work. I think if they didn't, you could tell, but that was very, it was very hushed after and you never hear about it anymore. I'm surprised it didn't got, didn't get dredged up when they're talking about this. It's not the same, yeah. but it's very similar, but I think it's the handling and the tone and who's steering the ship and how people feel about that person. And apparently he just doesn't have the same rapport. The, um, the ScarJo clapback was, I think, the moment where a lot of people, yeah. folks who care to pay attention to this sort of thing went, oh, that yeah. seems and out of character. It, interesting, because that was one of the things that people had said about Bob Chappick, at least in that article, or articles, maybe, <laughs> maybe there were a few of them that I had read, um, was that he just did not have that same charisma, Finesse. same finesse perfect word same finesse that bob Iger had even when bob Iger maybe was dishing out stuff that wasn't so great mm. there there has something to be said for like how you do it in business um anyways so that is to say like it, i mean it, it it happens when there's a changing of the guard maybe we'll see what happens in the future i think there's going to be more and more of these sort of like incidents um but they got to get on it or, you know, because Disney really is all about brand. Like, oh, okay. in yeah, some absolutely. way, Fox could get away with being shitty because, like, they'd let the Simpsons dig at them, right? Like, you're like, 
you could tell Fox was a joke and now it's gone too far, but Disney doesn't have that leeway. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're you're never seeing, you know, gravity falls or, you know, whatever was never going to take shots at, you know, Disney programming or anything like that. That, that sort of thing just doesn't happen. Um, I don't know what it says about me as a person that even if it was like a young age, I just didn't, I was always sus of the Disney brand. <laughs> even as like a, pre, even as like a preteen, <laughs> my surly ass also, was like, you... don't hit me with that when you wish upon a star shit. This is bullshit. Something sus about that. Like, I was just, <laughs> I'm 11 and I don't trust this. You were also always been grumpy. Like, I guess you were born and you were grumpy and miserable. Um, Leave me alone. No, don't you I, make me be uh, happy, Walt. Let's think about it. I was three when The Little Mermaid dropped. <laughs> I was, I was, oh, my childhood did. was Disney, right? Um, so, Disney, Sailor Moon, and Shira. Like, that was <laughs> my my childhood. And Popples. I mean, won't even get into oh, it. Um, so, like, there is, yeah, I have a love for their movies. Do I like always their politics and the way they conduct themselves? Absolutely not. And especially in this, I'm like, pay artists. Like, for God's sakes. <laughs> Please. Like, that's so much of your business and, and what's important for the company. And anyways, it's a bad look if you don't. Hey, 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 Kate. Yeah. Why don't you pay artists with endorsements? What you been watching? Oh, <laughs> I was like, I have endorsements? <laughs> didn't know this i was very excited for a moment um i have been watching so much crime (laughs) um so the new season of shetland dropped on amazon prime oh my god and i watched three episodes in one night and these are this is one of these shows that have like have like 90 minute episodes uh an an hour an hour HBO, HBO hours? 50, yeah, 58 minutes. Uh, 58 minutes. No, there's a lot of scenery. It's very pretty. It's not a <laughs> Korean drama hour. It's It goes by really quickly. Um, and for as dark as the show gets, there's something about the characters. It, it's one of those shows where you want to stay. You just want to see them like, okay, so the crime is solved. I'm like, can you guys all just go to a restaurant and talk or like <laughs> go to the grocery store? Like you just want to spend time with them. Um uh yeah so anyways um that dropped so funny because i i watched like three episodes and then somehow it's like senior correspondent chris knows me or something he asked like the next day what had happened even though like not a full day had gone by I was like, how do you know that I've already watched the other three episodes? He's like, because I know, I know you, what happened? I married goof. (laughs) Yeah. And I, and it's true. I watched them at, on my way home from like partially on my way home from work. And like, I was like doing dishes and watching it. Like, I love the show. I almost am mad at myself that I didn't give my, get, do it like at least one a day that I just like totally blitzed it. But anyways, fantastic. They did a really great job. Um, uh, I have also, of course, been watching Law and Order. Um, I have been looking for other crime shows to get into. Um, I started, it's actually a, a mini series. It wasn't a, a show. It's called What Remains. Um, it, it's good, but it's kind of a little too dark. 
it's dark without the levity. And then, so I was looking stuff up about it and I found out that it doesn't end in the best way. And I was like, uh, so I gave that two episodes. It was all right. Um, I watched a lot of, um, the show leverage. I think I brought it up. Did I give you leverage? Oh, I think you might've. (laughs) Yeah, I did. It's, it's like real, um, showcase in the early aughts. Like that's, that's exactly what it is. Um, anyways, they've actually, so they have leverage up on Amazon prime, but they also have come out with, uh, another, uh, like a, they've relaunched leverage. What? Um, hold on. It's called, uh, leverage redemption. Um, and people, the fans of leverage are like very excited about this. Seven of them are just blowing up. No, there's a lot of them. Um, and then let's see, I've, I, I've tried, I think I might watch this show called in plain sight. It stars the same, uh, gentleman who stars in, um, Shetland. Uh, can I remember his name? So his name is Douglas Henshaw. He's a Scottish actor. He's in this uh, series or miniseries called In Plain Sight about like one of Scotland's very first um, serial killers. But I'm kind of like right now with serial killers. So I'm on the outs with serial killers right now. Um, So if you know of any really good crime things that you think I may not have watched, please let me know. Um, and just British crime dramas are such a, like, shot in the dark. Some of them are fantastic. Some are just like, uh, some of them are a little too dark. So yeah, that, that's basically that in like Law and Order. That is, that has been what I've been watching. Well, it didn't seem like much when I sat down to jot them. Um, but then I just kept remembering things and kept adding to my little sheet here. So let's just pick one at random. Let's uh, let's start with mutual interest and work, uh, and I will spin further away into my own interest. Uh, Kate, you did not or did check out any of the Star Wars visions? I did not. Not yet. I, friends, mark your calendars. I have watched more of a Star Wars thing than Caitlin has. <laughs> oh, my God. Gasp, y'all. Oh, my God. Um, Gasp. <laughs> This is the anthology series uh, where notable anime studios do little Star Wars shorts. Uh, I've only had time to watch two of them. Uh, The Duel, which is the first one, they all dropped at the same time um, for your bingeable pleasure. The one I jumped to first was called The Twins. I believe it's considered, you know, episode five or whatever. That was done by Studio Trigger who you know from Kill la Kill and Gurren Lagan and Little Witch Academia, all that kind of fun stuff. And then because I had heard very good things, I went back and watched the first one, which is called The Duel, which is from uh, the studio called Kamikaze Doga, uh, which is responsible for... <laughs> Here, here's a pairing of items. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and Pop Team Epic, among other things. Ah, oh, Pop Team Epic. I miss it so much. Oh, God, I miss it every day. I got a lead on I got a lead on the theme song on 45, but they're not shipping to Canada, and I can't get a straight answer if they do or not. It really really bothers me. Um, be that as it may, I watched the Twins, which was basically about these two young Sith who make basically 
Friends, you're gonna love this because this is this is me trying to talk about Star Wars when I don't know much about Star Wars. Kate, what do you? I, I'm loving every second of this. Kate, what do you call the pointy uh, the pointy ships, the pointy Empire ships, the big ones? I'm sorry, what? The pointy, oh. the first thing you see in Star Wars. What are those called? Destroyers? Um, it depends on. Don't give me depends. The ship. <laughs> Fine, we'll we'll just say a destroyer. Okay. It's like two of them joined together with like a big cannon in the middle and they're each piloted by one of these twins. And then one of the twins goes off book and there's a little battle. He ends up with like a rainbow colored lightsaber. It's terrible, but it looks awesome. And that's anime. So mission accomplished. Right. Sorry. They are called Star Destroyers, but it depends on like there's different class. Okay, fine. No, God, please. No. The pointy ships. As I was saying, yes, it looks awesome. The story is terrible. It's executed rather poorly. They only have like 23 minutes to get in and get out. So, I mean, you know what you're getting. The duel is only like 14 minutes. Um, And I'm curious how the Star Wars fandom at large will take these because they're generally, I obviously can't speak to the level of canon they're playing with at all, if at all, you know, like... Right. These things that, like, the Studio Trigger one is toying with, like, I do not know all the ins and outs of kyber crystals. I do not know if it's possible to get a rainbow-tinted lightsaber. I was just like, that's dope. And he sawed through an entire ship with it. Also, he's breathing in space. I don't know if that's really a thing they can do. Um, depend. yeah. Well, it depends. Like, that's the good thing about Star Wars. There's, like, lots of wiggle room. But, yeah, kyber crystals can basically be a bunch of different colors so okay i could i could tell you all about all about uh I Christmas if you like prefer you didn't <laughs> um and the duel is very much looking to be like a kurosawa movie in the star wars universe it's in black and white it's clearly ronin samurai type stuff and i mean the samurai armor and such played a role in the design of the whole thing in the first place right um yep and you know, the dude's droid has like a straw hat on. Like, <laughs> oh my god, yes. So, I mean, will the nerdiest of the nerds be okay with the liberties taken in this? I don't know. It'll be fun to watch if they don't. Um, Get your popcorn. <laughs> I'm, I came for the comments and the comments only. Um, I watched it as like, okay, that was fun. Real short. You can get in and get out. Little quick little quick little bite of something cool, uh, and I mean you know I love me some anime. I love me some short anime. So get me get me in and get out, and I'll watch some of these weird little weird little stories. Uh, my other Disney Plus offerings: the One Two Punch of Reservation Dogs and Only Murders in the Building. Keeping up with both of those. Um, Reservation Dogs is now caught up to what I had already seen, right? Because um, we had only for only the first two episodes were out when we watched it, right? That's correct. So they are up to four on the plus now. Uh, I watched the fourth one just this afternoon, oh. actually. Um, okay. I'm going to have to watch number four then. It's it's dope. <laughs> the, sh- the show is great. Only thing I wanted to, I wanted to call out two lines from Only Murders in the Building. This is the Steve Martin, Martin Short. Uh, Selena Gomez, Bob, true crime kind of satire thing. Um, the two lines I enjoyed, one for myself, which was when after... Martin Short and Steve Martin go on one of their little comedic escapades. Martin Short goes, we got yelled at by a mom. 
because that's the worst thing. To, that's the worst way to get yelled at. <laughs> um, and also, uh, they got yelled at by the mom because the mom was like, you know, this was my daughter's life, blah, blah, blah. You know, I tell you these things. You still want to make a little podcast about it type of thing. Um, and Steve Martin says something that is very salient when you consider Caitlin McKinnon's ongoing back and forth with her engagement in true crime. Just every mm-hmm. true, every true crime is true to somebody. Wow. Gems, y'all. Gems. <laughs> gems. <laughs> Steve Martin got gems for y'all. What uh... else is on the list? A couple weeks ago, I had mentioned my eagerness to get into a book by Colson Whitehead called The Harlem Shuffle. I have gotten into that book. It is fucking great Ooh! like i said before this was basically one of your literary types going genre it's about a guy named ron carney who runs a legit furniture business in harlem and also kind of acts like a small time fence occasionally um what's called bent but not crooked is how he refers to himself he's a little bent but never crooked um and then his cousin, who usually he gets roped in on, who usually hooks up with these deals, tries to rope him in on a job that he does not feel comfortable with. He's like, eh, I don't want a part of that. But he ends up dropping his name in the wrong place anyway. So now Carney's like involved and with this heist that his cousin got into. Not super right. into it yet. It's not super far into it. Dude can write his ass off. It's fantastic. Awesome little like one gem lines. You know, that just kind of get dropped in there. You know, we talked about his relationship with his wife, how like, mm-hmm. what do you call it? Kindness and encouragement or something. We're not a, he didn't know what bucket to put those in. So he never really knows how to deal with his wife because, you know, she's nice to him. Um, that's good times. You love a good Burke. Love having something to read. Do. Um, Dark Side of the Ring has returned to me for the second batch of the third season, starting with the infamous Plane Ride from Hell. This was when, as a reward for a very successful uh, European tour, the WW then F uh, chartered a private jet to escort the boys and the ladies uh, from Europe back to America. There was a weather delay in Connecticut or wherever they were going to land of seven hours. Oh my gosh. So they just sat around drinking. So imagine, you know, 40 drunk wrestlers on a plane. And what no. then ensues. What makes it no. uh, what makes it even more insane is they didn't even talk about some of the stories I already knew about that flight. Oh. So like, they had like extra stuff. Yeah, most notably a story they got they talked to one of the flight attendants on this. Um, oh really yes. that's cool um and a bunch of people tell a story about how back in the day the nature boy when he would tie one on sometimes liked to put on his robe and nothing else <laughs> style and profile down the aisle mm-hmm. and get his uh stuff to swinging like to swing it like a helicopter if you know what i'm saying to make the boys laugh yep. And then he kind of allegedly wandered into the back commissary area and made this flight attendant very uncomfortable. She is, Aww. she is uh, generous. I guess I don't even want to phrase it. She she goes out of her way to say she does not think he was ever going to do anything to her, but like yeah. 
you know, won't leave and won't like let her buy. Um, so while she didn't really feel threatened, it was not a good environment. Um, no. And there's, where are you going to go on a plane full of drunk wrestlers? Um, and so Flair has been taking a lot of heat this week, IRL for this episode. And as well, a wrestler named, right. Tom, and as well, a wrestler named Tommy dreamer. Um, I had already read headlines that he was starting to get like suspended from places and taking out losing gigs on like radio shows and stuff. And I was like, what did Tommy dreamer do You know, for his comments on dark side of the ring? And I'm watching the episode and I'm like, he's not really saying he's very like deferential to flair. Cause he's the nature boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, what did Tommy say? That was so bad. And then I went, Oh, that's what Tommy said. <laughs> you get to the end of the episode and he basically says like, you know, everybody gets offended by everything these days. My ponytail, my haircut's stupid. It's probably offending somebody right now. I was like, mm, 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 Tommy, I guess I have three quick things to say musically. Uh, I feel I'm having a tough time with the sickness lately, Kate. I'm starting to not feel the love. Oh. I got to figure out how to get the oh. love back. I got to figure out how to get the love back. It's kind of a slow period right now. What's wrong with the love? I don't know. That's something for me and Mr. Malash to figure out on his drive on his drive home <laughs> one day. But he knows. He knows that talk's coming. Um, perfume and Aqua both dropped on September 22nd. What a day. What a day for... Cheesy J-pop. Just a fantastic day. <laughs> we already knew. Well-established. Perfume's Polygon Wave. Return to form. What a bop. The B-sides, just as good. The video's a little whack, but, you know, whatever. Can't have it all. Aqua, that song we already talked about, that's a total slap. Remains a slap. Yeah. Slappier Ooh. than slappier than before. And Slappier than before. Slappier than before. And the video, interestingly enough, interesting for two parts. Well, interesting and stupid, dumb fun. Um... Number one, I feel like the song slaps so much because of this call and response it has during the chorus, where it's like, the setup of the video, whenever they put these things out, it's a whole package, right? So like, they'll have a radio drama on the CD. You're only paying for two songs if you're buying the physical. Um, They want to give you incentives to actually buy instead of just streaming it, in Japan anyway. So they give you like a little radio dramas and things like that. And the, the video will be on an extra disc or something. Um, and the video is never just like the video. It'll be like kind of a short, right? Like there'll be a little like po- pre and post part to the actual video. And right. my elementary school Japanese is keen enough at this point that I can kind of pick up what the, what the uh, beginning was. And the beginning was never overtly stated, but they're doing a online show from their homes like they're all they're doing a show via zoom basically oh i was like is this aqua in the pandemic like is the pandemic canon in the love life franchise now that's odd um (laughs) and in this little virtual live that they're doing which i said before talking about the song it was a tie into some stupid little mobile game so there's a uh there's a dragon in the background and then, you know, two thirds through the song, the dragon like comes to life and is flying around with them, you know, whatever. And then in the last four bars of the song, this chunker ass dragon dances with them. It delighted me in a way I cannot even begin to explain to you how stupidly the level of stupid enjoyment I got out of that um, the song is still a slap. It's one of my favorite songs this year. I listen to it like four times a day. Um, instant happiness for that song. And that's, that's what I enjoy. Something objectively much better <laughs> than J-pop. 
Um, someone cute just randomly tossed me this off of the NPR Music Instagram account. This was an older Tiny Desk concert, um, but I guess they're having a sort of um, Spanish uh, Latinx themed week on Tiny Desk. Um, and so they were showing a clip of an older one they had done. <sighs> someone cute, forgive me. I'm going to butcher this. I don't do Duolingo for Spanish, but it was by an artist. I think they're technically a trio. I think they had a they had a fourth uh, accompaniment, but the name of the group is Mariachi Flor del Torache. I hope. Right. Apologies. Um, it's. I don't. I cannot speak to how traditional they are, like how much they fall in the mariachi tradition, or how much they like incorporate it into more other styles type of thing. It was just great. <laughs> it was oh. like this real kind of like jazzy, like their voices are real, like torch singer jazzy style. Like, <laughs> and maybe a lot of mariachi singing sounds like that, but just I'd never encountered it before. And it was incredible. So I've been I deep dive in mariachi now. This is this is something I do, something I do. Hey, it was great. It, it, there's stuff. There's lots out there. People don't realize there is lots out there. And why am I always so fascinated with music? I will never understand the lyrics to. I guess I do not care about lyrics. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe, Maybe that's you know it's it, lyrics can sometimes bog down a song. Just, you know that just moves me in other ways, baby. Just want to put my own meaning on it. Just want to feel it in my heart. I'm feeling in my head, feeling in my heart, girl. <laughs> That's what I got into, y'all. Feel this in your heart. We're gonna take a break right now. When we come back, Caitlin made me watch all the Suicide Squad. Oh man, all the Suicide Squad. All of it in reverse order. That's a trip. You don't yeah. want to miss this conversation. We're gonna get into that when we come back after this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. And this week, because it is cinematic September, and I also apparently felt like being mean to Jordan, <laughs> we're watching The Suicide Squad and The Suicide Squad. Well, The Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad, I guess. Yes. But <laughs> before we get right into it, and I'm sure we'll have a lot to get right into. Uh, we have some rules. The y yes, first we do. rule is the rule of three. We we do, yes. And the first rule is the rule of three. It's that if the thing comes in parts, we'll um, read, watch, consume three of them. So the thing gets a chance to be the thing it is trying to become. In this case, they're both complete films. So we watch. Well, it's not films. It's, it's a movie. <laughs> um, so we watched... Both of them, or at least that was the assignment. Um, and then there's rule number two, which is hashtag save it for the pod, which is the rule that we will not talk about the things we have given each other until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Um, but of course, because of that rule, I don't know if Jordan actually ended up watching oh anything. Oh my God, it was so hard this week. <laughs> watched bits it and pieces so or 
went like, fuck it at some point and just walked away. Oh. I have no idea. And we do this. We live with this terror that we're going to get to this part of the show and not have anything to talk about for you guys. We do it for you because for we want you guys you. to have the freshest of takes. We want you to be like, and these things are one is old and one is not as old, but I don't really care. But you just you, I, we want you to have a good time listening to what we're talking about without it being rehearsed. Yes, this is all off the top of the dome, and sometimes you can definitely tell that. Definitely. <laughs> um, the third rule isn't really a rule; it's just a policy. There will, of course, be spoilers. So if you're like, ah, I don't want spoilers, then you need to go now, and. Fuck off. <laughs> Just fuck off. You couldn't see the awkward fuck off dance I was doing, but it was happening. You can, you can, you can envision it. Yeah. I'm sure you can. Uh, anyways. Okay. So, um, I'm just going to give a vague overview of both films and talk about their directors um and timing and whatnot um but other than that we'll just we'll talk about things as we talk about the films themselves um well first i chose this obviously because um it's not very often you get two films that are very so similar with the same characters and actors set in the same universe um kind of about the same thing um and one is sort of uh derided and i'm not gonna say the other one is necessarily lauded but it's definitely like this is why this film is better um and i thought that would be a fun experiment we don't get to do that very often so here we are um so the first film which is suicide squad is from 2016 um it was directed by david Ayer. um if you look into David Ayer, which I don't know if you ever have, Jordan, he hasn't directed a ton. Directed a tank movie, didn't he? He Oh, he directed Bright. Maybe he directed that terrible TV show. His writing credits are incredible. <laughs> he wrote Training yes. Day and The Fast and the Furious, but Fury, um, Fury was the tank movie. Oh, okay. There we are. Great. Anyways, I wouldn't say anything like crazy notable where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe he directed that. Um, but also when you listen to him talk about this film, you're like, they totally redid my film. Like they edited it not in the way that I wanted. So this is not totally I, on him. Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of get, yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Anyways, um, so first directed by David Ayer, um, starring everyone. <laughs> It's starring uh, Will Smith, Jared uh, Leto, Leto, I can't know, I don't know how to say his last name, Margot Robbie, um, Viola Davis, got a bunch of people, um, Cara Delevingne, uh, Scott Eastwood, Jay Courtney, Jay Hernandez, a bunch of people, um, and also the second film is the same. Basically, you're seeing Amanda Waller put the team together, and you get to learn about the team, and then they save the day. That's the movie. The second one is very similar. So the Suicide Squad is directed by James Gunn, which I'm sure you've heard us talk about it in the last couple of weeks. We know James Gunn from, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and uh, we've talked a bit about 
how the way in which Guardians of the Galaxy are all these like disparate characters coming into a group <laughs> is very like the Suicide Squad. Um, and it's basically the same, not the exact same, but same-ish setup. They are, uh, 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 the Suicide Squad is a team of unlikely heroes and in some cases known villains are merged to become a team. Um, they're, you know, uh, basically told if they don't comply, they'll, their heads will get blown up. And then they go off and fight some sort of villain. And then the movie ends. <laughs> That's the, those are the films. And I'm actually okay with that. Not every film needs to make a statement. However, there are some things we definitely need to talk about. Um, so I don't know how you want to do this, Jordan. But would you like to start with the um, the Suicide Squad or Suicide Squad? We, we got to do it in the order that I watched them because this was like okay. Yeah, Caitlin is a very generous friend in gen, in life and in this podcast. So I mean, she had you know slapped down some money for these on the old yes. uh, Amazon Prime. So I had a limited window. She still had. She had talked about watching the Suicide Squad last week on the show. So she's still at the rental and she was like, I want to talk about that for the show. So you got like 15 minutes to watch this movie. <laughs> I was like, Oh God. Okay. Um, so I end up watching the James Gunn one first and just have a delightful time. Just a delight, yeah. just a delightful time. It is. The guardians was swearing and more violence. Um, yes. And, and just, I cannot talk enough about, um, polka dot man. Like I just, <laughs> Anyways, continue. But like those little flourishes, James, what James Gunn does, we had said at the time, James Gunn does what he does very well. And what he does is never take something like a comic book movie too seriously, but also doesn't disrespect it. And that's a real hard thing to do. And he does it very well. Yeah, It's a fine line. It's a, it's a fine line to walk. He knows what he's working with is dumb, but yeah he's able to do enough with it to just go balls out. And basically the hook of this one is when you start the movie, you are seeing a couple new faces, a couple old faces. You're seeing Captain Boomerang, Rick Flagg, um, a couple new people. Michael Rooker has a cameo as some dude. Um, he's another marksman type bullseye type character who like, you know, um, can make anything a weapon sort of thing. And they all storm this beach, yeah. Corto Maltese. There's some military facility they're trying to get into and destroy on Corto Maltese, which is undergoing a sort of, you know, military coup. So they're trying to get in while the nation's unstable and figure out, you know, get this thing and destroy the facility or whatever. And, you know, you've read the marquee of the movie, you know who's in it. So when you're watching this team storm the beach and you only see like Harley and like, what is Captain Boomerang doing? Well, they, most of them are dead within the first like 15 minutes. Uh-huh. Yeah, no one gets out alive, basically. And then you go to the other side of the beach and you realize that that was just a distraction for the Idris Elba team, Polka Dot Man, uh, Rat Catcher team on the other side of the island. Um, It wasn't perfect in execution. I have a lot to say about Harley in general over the course of another three movies I've watched (laughs) featuring. (laughs) I was going to say there's so much Harley. Oh, no. Margot Robbie (laughs) playing this character. Um, Because I thought she kind of got it was cool by the end, but I thought she kind of got short shrift and I was like, did she have scheduling conflicts? Like, did she have other shit going on? Like, it didn't seem like she Mm -hmm. was like there really. Um, 
and her whole like side thing with the with the acting dictator where he like wants to marry her and she like she bangs one out with him and then and then kills him type of thing i was like that's all odd and then she links up with uh with the rest of the crew and you know hilarity ensues but like the little flourishes like just cena i'll get we didn't say this up top this movie also stars john cena Um, and probably one of his it, most, do, it does one of his most notable and will be one of his most, most notable roles because he's getting a spinoff out of this um, yeah and he plays Peacemaker whose whole vibe is he will do anything for peace even if it means like literally murdering murdering everyone on the planet like um, yeah or sucking a beach full of dicks beach full of dicks he would suck every dick he could find if it, if it was for peace if it would bring peace. Yeah. Um, sorry, I should I should mention, sorry, of course, Margot Mar- Mar- Robbie, Idris Elba, John Cena, Joel Kinnaman, um, as, again, as Rick Flagg. Sylvester Stallone does the voice of King Shark. Yes. Caitlin mentioning King Shark just reminds me, like, it is basically Guardians with more violence. Down yeah. to the, like, quote-unquote simple CGI character, right? Like, it's not a yeah. talking tree, it's a talking shark. It's not voiced by Vin Diesel. It's voiced by Sylvester Stallone. Like, <laughs> and I don't honestly like. You know, it's a good movie when someone, like a character, can point to their hand and go hand. And it's, and the, it's, it's the hilarious funniest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. Uh, <laughs> and when you th- and when you think he's going down, when those little uh, those little fish things start eating him in the last third of the movie, yeah. and you're like, yeah. don't you fucking kill King Shark. Um, <laughs> no, he's just a sweet child. <laughs> him. He's just a sweet, um, stocky boy <laughs> with murderous teeth. Uh, um, and 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 the fact that like you know, Bloodsport and Peacemaker have that like. Which brings us to Cena, uh, who playing his most notable war, uh, role, and argue he's kind of he's one of the villains. I mean, the villain is Starro, which again, James Gunn, fantastic. Um, yeah. Again, it's the di- it's the ability to making Starro the villain is the pinnacle of not taking your comic shit too seriously, but also kind of respecting it. Cause that's the first, you know, that's the first thing the justice league ever, that's the Loki of DC. Like that's the first thing the justice league ever fought was Starro. Um, right. and James Gunn goes, give me that. <laughs> I want that for the suicide squad. I want, I want to use Starro. I want, I want rat catcher. <laughs> <laughs> to have a bunch rat, of rats. Rat catcher two. Sorry, rat, rat catcher, rat two. catcher two. two. Not even rat catcher. Sorry. Rat, rat catcher two. And when I realized in the flashbacks that Taika Waititi was playing rat catcher one, I was like, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, we have seen it here playing as one of the main villains um, because he's the like double agent who's there. It comes, you come to find out that basically the U S government is responsible for the thing that they're ostensibly there to destroy and peacemaker is there to ensure that the evidence of that never gets out. And when Rick flag, uh, finds out that the government's involved, he's like, I'm taking that drive and I'm going to send it to the press. And it's like, I can't let you do that. And Rick flag ends up going down because peacemaker kills him and great action set pieces where Bloodsport ends up killing peacemaker. So you think, um, and it's just, it's, it's a dumb, stupid, fun comic book movie. Um, and I was 
delighted by it repeatedly. Like, everything about it. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of, like, my favorite comic book things I've watched in recent memory. I just had a fucking blast with this thing. So to then go backwards <laughs> to the first one, mm-hmm. when, remember, this was when DC was still thought they could pull off a Marvel and do the shared universe and do the ongoing story and Suicide Squad ends up becoming a blip slash Justice League precursor slash doing way too much trying to do way too much there's so much in here and that's all two movies yes and that's and so when you say that you know david ayer in interviews now talking about this that movie basically goes yeah no they made something completely different yeah bro we can tell (laughs) yeah we can tell you had an idea and dc was like you can't have harley without the joker we got to explain her so we need the joker and you're going to do a piss poor job of explaining that entire relationship. Fucking Batman the Animated Series did a better job of explaining why. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole introduction of all of them, where it's just like... I, I talk about this before, where, like, actors just have to know they're in something bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, when Viola Davis was in the ADR booth doing all these, like, hotshot introductions for the characters. Yeah. Because she's at dinner with some government agent introducing her team. And I was like, this is so fast and inefficient storytelling and even when it's all said and done it's like oh by the way here's katana <laughs> she just gets on a plane what's up y'all uh, no no here's slipknot and katana and like like captain boomerang like it was just ridiculous it's really if anything the story of the two movies is like the lesson learned like the first movie is like we can we can still do a marvel we can have this you know threaded uh, multi-film storytelling type of thing. The second movie is just like, oh, fuck it, let James Gunn do what he wants. Yeah, keep well, it, keep, also... Keep it so... self-contained. Like, it has tenuous connections to the first movie, but, like, there's not even really a mention of Birds of Prey. Did they even mention how, why Harley was in jail, why Harley was back with the crew? Like, was that even mentioned? No! <laughs> was she and, just there? And that's... Or, or, no, no, what did she say? She... Did she stay? Was it from the first film or the second one where she said she robbed a... No, no, that was right. I can't remember. She she drove... I think she drove into a bank. I can't remember. Uh, something, for, she was, something very Harley and ridiculous, was, and it was, doesn't matter. She was, driving off, well, she was driving off with Cassandra Cain at the end of Birds of Prey, right? Like, Yeah. Free, yeah. Free but woman. it doesn't have to be like A to point B. No, I'm like, not. I'm not going to make a. I'm not going to make a 50 minute YouTube video asking where Cassandra Kane was <laughs> in you know, the Suicide Squad. I don't need that explained to me. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, and then to you know, like Katana just show, you know Slipknot and Katana just kind of show up. Oh, by the way, they're here too. When Slipknot goes down a few minutes later, thanks for coming out. Um, representation matters. Did you even say one word on screen before your head got blew off? I mean, cool, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just thinking about like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Like the, the representation was really anyways. Uh, There's a whole, also it's Adam beach. Sorry. Adam beach, who I really like, who's, he's also from law and order. Anyways, continue. 
and he's a fantastic actor. So he didn't really get to do anything besides try to run away and get his head blown off in the most bloodless decapitation I've ever seen. It was like a like a sparkler going off. Yeah, <laughs> you got to keep it P- good. Got to keep it PG thirteen for the kids. Uh, meanwhile, birds are eating Michael Rooker's brain in the first <laughs> twenty minutes of the James <laughs> Gunn one. Uh, Clearly, the lesson had been learned. Um, the coding of Killer Croc as black is troublesome to me, as much as I enjoyed the one thing he wanted being BET. Um, very, very, yeah, it's not good. That's troublesome. That's troublesome, number one. I did not expect Harley to be that fan service, be like that much oh. fan service provider in the first one. Yeah. That's rough. Because especially going from Birds of Prey, which again, contextualizing all this Harley now, having been watched out of order, is like, Oh, yeah, Birds of Prey is a course correction for Harley, the character, where it's like, I have no problem watching Margot Robbie prance around in hot pants for two hours, but it's anime levels of flagrant. Like, oh, yeah, there's like a shot where they go like through her legs. Shot where they go go through her legs. There's a like when they're gearing up, everybody else is fully dressed, but we take a minute to linger on her putting her shirt on. Also, how did her hair change? Like, I know it's Harley, but it, it was still, I was like, no one, at least you have to mention it. Be like, how'd you do that with your hair? Like, it's just one line, right? But I was like, what? I will, I got a glimpse of like, you get a glimpse of what I think David Ayer wanted to do in like the scene in the bar where they realize they've been played um, and they're deciding they're going to do it anyway, you know, like when they're all realizing that the whole mission was kind of a setup, their high value target was Waller herself. Um, and the shit's going bad and it's probably going to get worse and they should all, and Rick flag is like, we fucked up. Sorry. I'm smashing my little head, head splody panel and you can be on your way. And then they all decide to do it anyway. It is real basic comic booky shit, but yeah, it felt not by much, but it felt of a slightly higher caliber than all of this like hot shot of Joker stuff that was like like he man did not oh my god did not need to be never there ever all. no at and all. it was awful it was, it, it was so bad I mean whoever took up the mantle after Heath Ledger was always going to start behind the eight ball and uh, Jared Leto made some choices <laughs> that he did um no no he made mistakes <laughs> oh, a lot of them oh, 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 drop the shots fired shot um. But it, like, didn't need to be there. And when the explanation for Harley's entire character is, like, she was a therapist at Arkham. She worked with the clown. She fell in love. The end. What? One episode of Batman the Animated Series did more to explain that relationship than your, like, millions of dollars Hollywood movie. Like, Harley deserved better. And I think everybody knew, which is why they gave her (laughs) Birds of Prey. Um, But it's just, it's, it wouldn't, it would not good. (laughs) When the seams were that visible in the first suicide squad where it's like, Oh, this all feels like it was added after the fact. Why is Batflick? Mm-hmm. Why is Batflick here? Oh, Ezra Miller showed up. Really? We were riding that deep on trying to set up the justice league. Like I did not know that the first suicide squad was really like set in the continuity of what, you know, the Snyder verse, you know, like, right. And that was unfortunate. <laughs> and watching, this property or this idea it's a good idea like it's been done like it's the, this a version of this sort of thing has been done a billion times but i mean it's a fun 
convention to work with from a storytelling perspective. So yeah, to, to, absolutely. To just, it's just dirty dozen type shit, right? So just to let James Gunn go off. I feel bad for David Ayer, frankly, <laughs> like, like release the Snyder yeah. cut. Fuck that. Give me the air cut. Like I would like to see what he would have yeah. done, what he could have done with this, with this movie without, it felt like it had been noted to death. And that's, you know, when they always say that when something's been noted to death, that's what this felt like. This felt like. Absolutely. Well, I completely agree. You got to remember, we got obviously we got to have bat flick in there and you should, can you find a scene? Can you find a way to work, uh, you know, the flash in and, uh, like, like the Joker shows up in a fucking helicopter. Like it, he was such like, it was like a video game thing, right? Where there's like an annoying mini boss that you keep having to bump into. And it's like, <laughs> right, right. When you're getting into the action of the movie itself, Leto shows up to do some Leto shit. And it's like, no, no, you don't know. No to all that. Um, two we other, no, that's my main note. The first thing I wrote down was to move backwards. is such an e- emphasizes how joyless the first movie is. Yeah, that too. I do also have to say, um, when you're on a mission to save the world, I have to imagine carriage space, storage space is at a premium. So I don't know that the letters from Deadshot's daughter really deserve a pouch in the utility belt. Oh my God. I was so angry how, about that. How long were you walking around with so those, angry. Colonel Flag? Like, <laughs> you're just saving those? Um. That that was bizarre to me. And I also wonder if Harley's uh, secret superpower is to summon very on-the-nose music cues. This is now the second movie I've seen. Okay, her. so I actually did watch a video about that. <laughs> and it partly and, – and, and one of the reasons being is because I was interested in about – this was actually before I even said we should watch both of them. I was sort of interested in the differences because, again, these movies from the outside are very, very, very similar. Um, and someone pointed out that the people who did the trailer did the ending for the movie, like they liked the trailer so much <laughs> that they had them do the editing, but trailers and an entire film are very different very and how different. they punctuated every like care. They didn't even go through a whole song. They just like every new scene had another song and it was just like the first bit of it. Right. Or whatever. Um, anyways, I just, yeah, it was very, very interesting. And I, there's so many songs that I was like, I was getting like, like really again, like me. And I love music in movies. I think it's, it can make or break a film. So Caitlin. it was, it was interesting. Caitlin, yeah. that's how, you know, Harley's a wild child. Cause it played, you don't own me. And when she showed up on screen the first time, right. that's how you knew. It's like, Ooh. She's dangerous. I don't own her. Yep. No one does. The song told me. Good good thing that song's there. Thank God. And they didn't have to do anything within the script. <laughs> if, the, if the song wasn't there. Yeah, it's, it's, that's the point. The, 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 instead of like, you know, writing things, it was like song cue. It just tells you everything, you know, art. Song cue and like voiceover. Yeah, too much voiceover. I was like so, so much of what they voiceovered or did little scenes for could have been a line of dialogue or could have been part of the story. And yeah, it was, I, there's so many things made me so angry. I, mean, <laughs> I couldn't even enjoy any of the fun bits. <laughs> My basic takeaway is sort of 
if you're doing kick punches, it's like 8.5 for the James Gunn one and 6 for the David Ayer one. It's a valuable experience to watch them both, um, especially backwards. I would actually kind of recommend watching them out of order because I'm not a film person. It's not a language I have a huge grasp on. But sometimes you can just tell shit that works and shit that doesn't. So to watch them both relatively back to back like I did is like, oh, that's how you make a good one of these. And that's (laughs) the less good way to make one of these. Um, Yes. It's 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 educational that way. So, I mean, if you've got the time and you like the characters well enough to sit through the first one, it does really illustrate what goes in how one of these is made better and that was a valuable experience <laughs> frankly i'm not being facetious like <laughs> thank you for your shitty movie david here oh uh, no i'm it was it was educational and i don't think i think david Ayer would watch the two together and take the same lessons like he's a he, guy's an amazing screenwriter based guy wrote training day like he knows how to write a story um to then watch the machine kind of gut it the way it did it's got to be so sad. It's got to be. <laughs> you got to feel bad for the dude. But I mean. Oh, it it, it is sad. We watched it. <laughs> we experienced the sadness. But D- DC did learn. DC did learn the lesson to their credit. Um, I think they knew they had to finish up the. Uh, finish up the Snyder vision of sorts. And now it's just kind of like we got the characters. Let people do whatever they want with them. If yeah. you want to make a subpar taxi driver. Cool, you can make that one. If you want to make Batman Year One with Robert Pattinson, go ahead and do that one too. You want to make another Batman with Batfleck in the Flash movie? Do do that too. You want to bring fucking Michael Keaton back? Like, don't forget they're kind of doing their own Loki Spider Verse <laughs> thing over there with the Flash movie. Yeah. Um, I think DC was like, we tried it. Whoops. Just fucking tell good stories. Characters are all up for grabs. Do whatever you want. Um, just tell good stories. That's all we want. Da-da-da. And James Gunn knows that lesson. Thank you, sir. I don't know if Marvel has uh, put a chip in your in your neck to keep you from working for anybody but them going forward. But uh, you know your lane. James Gunn is a perfect example of knowing his lane and thriving in it. So, shouts to yeah. you, sir. Thank you for the good time. Um, yeah, you concur, basically. Cool. Um. I my kick punches. I'm actually weirdly my for the Suicide Squad 2021. Uh, it's eight, and for um, a Suicide Squad, uh, what did I say? 2016. Yes. It's it's like a six. So Kate liked. I like the second one a, maybe a fraction more than Caitlin, but a point five is negligible. I think we both we both sized them up pretty similarly. Yeah. Uh, friends, those are both in and around. The first one is probably definitely on your HBO Maxes or your Craves for free, and I'm sure the second one will be uh, free to stream in short order if you don't feel like shelling out for it or you don't have a wonderful friend who shells out and lets you watch and shares an account with you. Uh, That's me. I don't have cable. Yeah. (laughs) Neither do I. Friends, that is going to wrap it up for another installment of Cinematic September. Going out on a bit of a high note. This is a fun episode. Good chats. Yeah. That was good. Good content. You know what that means? It's time to get spoopy. And it's very hard for me to get spoopy with Caitlin McKinnon because I can't just give her a horror movie because she doesn't want to be scared. Nope. That's not what the point of Halloween is. She doesn't want to get creeped out. 
Nope. She just wants something adjacent to the supernatural, but not scary. It's very difficult strange. for me. It's very difficult. <laughs> it's strange. It's very difficult for me, but we'll see what I come up with for next week. With that, I believe we will wrap up this episode. Friends, thank you so much for spending an hour and change with us every week in these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. I mean that, y'all. I mean that. You can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us. We appreciate that. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fan-freaking-tastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. And get ready to get spoopy. I'm doing a nerd dance again. And then, hello. And then, hello. Something slammed. Oh, it was my mouse. Sorry, I was moving my hand. <laughs> Your giant rock biter hand. <laughs> <laughs> I just caught it weird. Shut up. <laughs>